Hey gorgeous, if you want success on your fertility journey, you've got to have the mindset for it. It's time to kick fear, negativity, doubt, shame, jealousy, and the whole clown car of low vibe fertility journey BS to the curb. I'm your host, Roseanne Austin, fertility mindset master, former prosecutor and recovering type A control freak perfectionist. I use the power of mindset to get pregnant naturally and have my baby boy at 43, despite years of fertility treatment failure. I help women across the globe beat the odds on their fertility journey just like I did. Get ready for a quick hit of confidence, joy, feminine badassery, and loads of hell yes for your fertility journey. It's time to get fearless, baby, fearlessly fertile. Let's do this. Welcome to the Fearlessly Fertile Podcast, episode 260. They said donor eggs were her only option, but she got pregnant naturally over 40. Tanya's story. Hey loves, I am back with yet another amazing miracle mama who is sharing her testimony about how she beat the odds on her fertility journey. I freaking love these episodes as I know you do too. And you're going to love this one because my beloved Tanya, her dream was to conceive naturally. But after five years of trying to conceive, repeated IVF failures, and the clock a ticking, that seemed like an impossible dream. And in this episode, you're going to learn how Tanya became more fertile in her 40s than she was in her 30s, doing what she loved. And within months of completing my beloved Fearlessly Fertile Full Throttle program. Like, I just, I hope that you turn this episode up on blast because this woman, you know, there were some pretty freaky and scary things that she heard. And she had to make a conscious decision to think in a completely different way. She had to open herself up to a completely different set of possibilities. And I hope that you listen very carefully to what she said that she did. Because I could tell you all day till I'm blue in the face, but you'll be like, oh, it was But This is the value of listening to these beautiful, kind, and generous women's stories is through other people's stories. It's like one of the best ways for us to learn. And a a few weeks back, you heard from Louise. You know, all of these women are, are being so kind and so generous in sharing their truth and what happened in their lives so that you can take the lessons. Now, But you have to understand, every single one of them had to be willing to face their fear. They had to be willing to grow and to move past business as usual in their lives. And you have to ask yourself, remember, what was the first question that I posed at the beginning of the year? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want this baby? Because if you're going to continue making excuses, you got nobody to blame but yourself. Okay, and these wonderful women are living proof of what I'm saying. So I hope you pay very close attention to what Tanya is so generously sharing here. And look, if you are sick and tired of listening to these episodes and not like creating your own results, if if you're saying, you know what, I want to go from being a listener to a guest as well. Hey, the time is now. You can submit your application for my Fearlessly Fertile Method program now by going to my website, www.frommaybe2baby.com. Submit an application for consideration. Because look, if your mind and your body are not working together, as you're going to hear from Tanya, like you're kind of fucked and you need to be doing something different if you want to create a different result. Okay. This is all about making 2024 your year. If you're serious about that, you still have plenty of time to make the kind of shifts in the way that you think so that you can create shifts in your results. So, with all of that being said, 
Here is my conversation with the amazing, glorious, and absolutely lovely Mama Tanya. Tanya! Hello. <laughs> oh, my goodness, woman. Well, as I was just saying a few moments ago, we're just going to dive right in because this is such, I mean, like, I cannot wait to hear this story again. This is so good. This is such a good thing. But I have to ask you, because like, can you believe we're having this conversation? No, I know. I've visualized it along the journey so many times. It's quite surreal that we're actually here. <laughs> no. And isn't it like, it's insane because you're going from being a listener mm -hmm. to a guest. Yeah. And I cannot wait to hear like all the bombs that you're going to drop here. So why don't you start off by sharing with the women listening? How did you find yourself on this journey? And we'll start there. Okay. Yeah. Well, so we started trying just after we got married. So it was 2018. So I was 35 then. And straight away, right off the bat, off the bat um, there was a couple of blocks. I never expected that it was going to happen quickly. I think part of that was when I was 15, I did one of the usual teenage girly things and got really skinny and lost my period for a year. And I had a doctor tell me, you know, when I went there and, and I was like, what's going on? And they said, you know, if you don't fix this quickly, you're going to have trouble having children. And that just always stayed with me. And, and sure enough, like my mum took me out for a milkshake straight away afterwards. And I, I got above the weight range that I needed to. So that was all good. My period came back really quickly. But, you know, I carried that for another 20 years, just thinking that it wasn't going to happen. And the other part of it was that I was determined not to make this journey traumatic. So I was trying to go in with little to no expectations about every month that happening. But I think what I did was was I put the negativity out there that <clears throat> it wasn't going to happen quickly for me. And so, you know, putting that into the universe straight away, it was a couple of blocks immediately. What I haven't filled you in on too much, Roseanne, is that, you know, hindsight is such a, a great thing that right from the beginning, I think the universe was actually laying the groundwork for my spiritual growth and my spiritual awakening on this journey. <laughs> and there's going to be a theme throughout this whole story that I tell. But, you know, what I've come to learn is that the universe and our, and our journey here on earth is, is forcing you to grow. And there was a whole lot of breadcrumbs along the way that was that was forcing me to and obviously you know when things are going well you don't really grow that you don't really grow that much you have to have crisis to learn and and force yourself to to push through it so and it was really interesting because I am not or I wasn't a spiritual person in fact back at you know in school my friend was very spiritual and um, we always used to joke that she was a spiritual one and I was a shallow one but the groundwork actually started a few years before I started trying to conceive it was 2015 when it was the one year anniversary of my grandma's death and I'm like I'm just going to go to a medium and see if see what he says I don't believe in it I you know I, I gave him nothing when we were there but we established that my grandma was coming through and he's like your cousin you know we were establishing that it was my cousin we were talking about she's pregnant and I'm like no no she was a, she only had a baby seven months ago that's not right and he's like no no she's pregnant and so I told my mum that and she saw her that night and she said, are you pregnant? And my cousin, you know, you know, got shocked and went, I'm six weeks. How do you know? I haven't told anybody. And so we'll, and, and my mum goes, oh, grandma told Tanya. And we just thought that that was hilarious. <laughs> but a few, about a week later, she miscarried the baby. And a few weeks after that, my mum actually thought, I'm going to go to this medium, see what he has to say. He didn't know that we were related. We gave him no background, anything like that. She just went. But again, 
grandma came through and was saying, she is pregnant, she is pregnant. And mum's like, no, she's lost the baby. And over the next few months, my cousin just kept feeling really sick. She would have ultrasounds, no, no baby there. And eventually they got to the point where they're like, okay, we're going to have to do some surgery. You must have just some residual tissue there. And so just before they went to do that, they did another ultrasound and they went, oh my God, you're 16 weeks pregnant. There's a baby there. <laughs> so <laughs> my grandma was over the other side just going, no, she's pregnant. And it turns out that she had been pregnant with twins. She'd, she'd miscarried one of the twins and there's a, they can mask the other one for a period of time. So that just was the first thing where I went, okay, I think there's something out there but I didn't know kind of what much more about it. But I was like, something, you you can't just flick that kind of stuff. (laughs) Well, I think we all want to get to know your grandmama right now because we we want to to see what she's got to say about a lot of things. Wow. Yeah. My grandma was an amazing woman when she's here. And so it, it shouldn't surprise me that she's doing awesome things over there too. Wow. What an incredible, I mean, that's an incredible experience. I mean, you must have, I mean, to go from, I don't really like, no, none of this to that place. I mean, so how do you think that served you for what was to come? Because I agree with you. I don't believe that these things just sort of happen accidentally. I think the story starts way before we think it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I think that that just opened me up a little bit to being open to the possibility that there was something more than just blackness and emptiness when we die, you know? And so I had another reading with this medium in 2019. So a couple of months after we started trying. At that point, I wasn't stressed, you know, like I was just, I was very laissez-faire. I'm super chill about lots of things. And he goes, look, I see a pregnancy for you, but I'm not going to lie. It's going to be up and down. I can see, you know, you going through some emotion. I can see you kind of breaking down and going, I'm crying. I don't know why I'm crying, but I'm crying. But he goes, but I want to tell you that everything is going to be okay. And he actually goes, I'm saying this for the recording, Tanya. Everything is going to be okay. And you don't know how many times I ended up listening to that over the years. But what he said to me at the time was that I see this pregnancy, I see it in February 2020, so a year's time. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not going to like go down an emotional, you know, craziness in a year. I'm, I'm sweet. And then sure enough, so we had no luck all through 2019. And by 2020, I started to worry. February rolled around and nothing happened. And, you know, I kind of just dismissed it as, nah, he was wrong. And so across 2020, I had three IUIs. Um, None of them worked. And I remember sitting in the park, I think I was doing some yoga, and I just really started like that fear started to kick in where I was like, is this actually not going to happen for me? And that's when the roller coaster started of, you know, a whole lot of poking and prodding tests. I, you know, with acupuncture, I was doing yoga. I was trying to keep myself calm. I was meditating on the Chinese herbs. I even tried hypnosis. I went keto vegan for a while, which is, you know, very difficult. Doesn't leave you, leave you much to eat there. I had a couple of endometriosis surgeries. They, you know, I didn't have a lot of endometriosis, but I had a little bit. I even tried a past life regression. So I was doing all of this. And then in October 2020, I had another, I had a reading with a, a different medium. And she, she goes, there's a little girl around you. Like, are you trying to conceive? And I'm like, yeah, I am. And that was the first time that I was introduced to the concept of spirit babies and that our future children are around us, you know, well before they conceive. 
And I was just like, oh, wow. But it prompted me to really dive into being quite intrigued about everything that was going on. So I was listening to podcasts, reading books, all of that kind of thing, and starting to really delve into the concept of spirit babies. Um, And Peter, my first medium, his prediction did come true. I was ending up in tears over nothing. Not too much. I'm still pretty level-headed, but, you know. (laughs) The first night I met one of my friend's um, new boyfriends and we were out, we were having a girls' night out and I'd probably had about 10, maybe 20 cocktails. I'd had a lot. And I ended up in tears going, oh, I've made a fool of myself, you know, and um, and to this day I still think that he thinks that I'm a nutcase. And, you know, and New Year's Eve became really difficult for me because it's like another year's rolling around and I still don't have my baby here. So it was really interesting that that actually came true and it wasn't anything, it, was, it, it wasn't in the back of my mind, I don't, I don't think. By February 2021, we did our first round of IVF because nothing was working. I never wanted to do IVF. I didn't feel like I needed it. I felt like this baby was still coming naturally. But of course, when you're, you know, two and a half years down the track and your, your biological clock's ticking, you've got to try that. And so that one was relatively successful in that we only got six eggs. I only had one ovary respond, but three of them we got to embryo stage. So we transferred one and and froze two. That one didn't take though. I thought I was surrendering to the process. By that point, I'd been starting to work on myself, work on my mindset a little bit. I'm like, yeah, I'm surrendering. But when I look back at it, I was fully kidding myself. So so we just kind of kept trying naturally for the next few months. And then in November 2021, I connected with a Canadian spirit baby medium she specializes in spirit babies and she just went deep into what was going on but again and it was consistent with all of these mediums that I was speaking to that there was a girl and she was super strong and she was going to be a firecracker and she was coming through but there was also a little boy hanging around me as well in the background by August 2022 so I kind of just kept trying naturally nothing happened August 2022 we did our second round of IVF and I always felt that when I would do an IVF cycle, the universe would start throwing obstacles at me. Like the best laid plans would go awry. Everything just would feel way out of whack. And, you know, taking time off of work, I hadn't, you know, confided in work that I was, you know, on this journey or anything like that. So I'd carefully planned, you know, this is when I can take some time off. And of course, a couple of days before my egg retrieval was due, I got told by work I had to make a trip interstate on the day of my egg retrieval and I'm like, I can't go. So I had my egg retrieval. The next morning at 6am, I was on a plane interstate. That IVF cycle was a complete disaster in that the day after, so when you call, when you get your call for your day one, how did the fertilization go? The embryologist called me when I was in a break from these all day workshops that I was in and said, sorry, none of your eggs are fertilized. And I was like, what? like how how does it even happen I didn't even know that was a thing and I was devastated but as we all do these you know we push through five minutes later I had to go back into a workshop and get my head back in the game and you know pretend that my world hadn't just been rocked and I'd just flushed thousands of dollars of you know down the drain so after that one I was really angry I was annoyed I was looking for someone to blame you know did the lab stuff up what happened I even considered, you know, I talked to my spirit baby medium again and I even considered, I said to her, should we ask this girl to step out the way? You know, she's like meant to be the first one. Like she's taking her sweet time. Like get out the way. Come on, let someone else through. 
we decided that that was probably a knee-jerk reaction and I shouldn't do that. I should probably just take a break and take some time to heal. So I took about a four-month break. I took a break from everything, all of my prenatal supplements, acupuncture. I stopped everything. But around this time, I had another reading with my first medium, Peter, and he, again, kept saying, it's coming, it's coming. But he said, I just don't feel like you're in the right energetic space still. And he goes, I can see a jolt coming. Um, And he goes, it's not going to be bad, but it's going to be enough to cause you to kind of react and shift shift your kind of energetic space. So, and he said, it's coming in January. I was like, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Come on. (laughs) January 2023 rolls around. I'm ready to start trying again. So I switched clinics. I went to a really renowned IVF doctor and I started another round of IVF. Right in the middle of that, they'd done some tests and one of them was called for called the DQ alpha gene test. And I got a phone call, I think it was one Friday at lunchtime with the results of that. I was already into my injections and everything. And they said, you're a partial match for the DQ alpha gene, which for those who aren't familiar with it, kind of means that out of 25,000 genes in your body, there's two that are really important to tell for your body to tell an embryo that it's safe. It's not cancer rapidly dividing. It's, it is a foreign entity, but it's okay. We're happy to be here. And so my husband and I had a partial match, which meant that that message wasn't going through to my body. And so my immune system was going on the march and potentially killing embryos. And the way around that was some kind of a procedure, which was like called the LMIT procedure. It's a bit of exposure therapy, but also just hectic immune suppressants. And so I got off that call and I was just like, oh my God, you know, like quite rocked again. How long is this journey going to go on for? You know, this is just, yeah, just not great. And I took my dog for a walk to go and get some Subway. And we got to Subway and I just tied him up out the front. I walked in like literally I was two meters away from him. I could see him. And I looked back and he was gone. And I went, oh my God. And I ran out and the guy goes, he slipped his harness. And I ran out and I see him just bolting towards the main road. And I'm like, Maverick, like he's my baby. Like I, I love this dog more than I love anything in the world. So I start sprinting after him. He takes a turn. He starts running along the, the sidewalk of the, the main road. And I'm screaming at people walking the other way, like grab him. So I try and grab him. And he jumps over a barricade and straight into the oncoming traffic and just starts weaving through the traffic. And I'm just running along, just going, I'm about to see my dog get killed here. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And so I'm chasing him, sprinting as fast as I could. And then he makes a left turn and I'm like, I'm down a street. I'm like, I think he's running home. And I turn and I get around the corner and there's this ute that's just slowed down. They've obviously just dodged him. And I'm like, did you see your dog? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, can you give me a lift? <laughs> and I jump in the tray of their, their, their truck. And they zoom around and I'm in the back of the, the car calling my husband, get home, the dog's like loose. He never does this, by the way. He's like the chillest dog ever. And so we drive and I'm like, take a left here, take a left here. We pull up out the front of my house. He's on the front door. He's on the front doorstep. He'd run a kilometre home. And it took a solid 24 hours for my heart rate to, to ease. <laughs> but that was certainly the first of many jolts of January in that I realised that Things can be perfect one second and it can change in an instant like that. And we have to have gratitude for life, right? So a few probably days after, my father-in-law had a 
mild heart attack, but it was enough that it was a warning sign that he needed open heart surgery. And he had to wait about a week and a half to have that. So while he's sitting at home trying to keep really calm, not let his heart rate go up, I look out the front and, you know, we're kind of like, oh, this feels a bit like a ticking time bomb. I look out the front of my house one day and there was eight ambulances across the road at my neighbor's house and I go over and I see what I think is my neighbor laying on the ground with this big defibrillator on his chest. They're trying to shock him back to life and they're like, oh, he's in cardiac arrest, blah, 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 blah. As it turns out, it was my neighbor's friend, just looked like the same guy. But we stood there, my neighbor and I, and watched them shock him eight times and load him into the ambulance and looking very grave. And as they drove off, I went, I think I've just seen someone die, you know, like, so we had two heart attacks. And then a long-term family friend ended up in ICU a few weeks later with a heart attack as well. They all survived. (laughs) They all survived. But it really, like I said, made me realize that we really have to appreciate the time that we have here on earth because it can change in the blink of an eye. And so I feel like I was like, okay, we got to get to the end of January because shit's going wild here. These jobs are crazy. But it really did shift my appreciation for life. And I really started focusing on, on living and making the most of every day rather than sleepwalking through everything. So that third round of IVF didn't work either. We had two embryos go right through until day six. But again, we got a phone call from the, the clinic saying, sorry, ne- neither of them are viable. And so that was another one that was just a complete disaster. But luckily, a few weeks earlier, at the very start of January, I had started my full threshold course with you. So (laughs) I'd been listening to your podcast for quite a long time, but we'd started that mindset work. And so that's where you came into it. Wow. Well, (laughs) it sounds like it was a good time too, because I mean, with all of this insanity, you know, what's fascinating to me about this is I'm hearing what you're sharing from your life is Every single one of these instances, whether it was talking to Peter or, you know, all of these different things were really showing you and and helping to equip you with a belief that was bigger than what you could see with your eyes. Because it's so easy for us to be limited by our current circumstances that we can't see beyond that. But when you open up that part of you, dare we call it faith? Mm-hmm. And understanding that you're you were able to go from feeling sorry for yourself, kind of feeling like there are no options and all this other stuff into a place of wow, okay, my dog almost just died. I saw two people have you know two people with heart attacks, but I'm gonna be mm-hmm. grateful. yeah, that seems like a very different move. And you know, because most people would be just like, wow, you know, you took these very jarring experiences that were happening on top of the three failed IVFs. And we're able to process that completely differently. And I mean, this is why, you know, I remember when we spoke before that that's how I could tell that you were ready to make a change because you didn't just immediately go into chaos. You're like, wow, life is really precious. I'm going to, you know, choose to be grateful. And it, that's incredible. That's, that says a lot about how quickly you were able to start making changes. So It would be awesome if you would share, like, why did you do that program? Because you could have just continued to be a listener. Yeah, exactly. Look, I think, you know, and it's a shame that it takes us to get to this point, but I had got to the point where I had tried everything. I had hit rock bottom. I had been trying to 
DIY it through your podcasts for a long time. And I just went, you know what? I got to invest in myself and uh, really dive into this and I'm ready now. And I think, you know, I'd considered doing your programs maybe two years earlier and I probably wasn't ready and I wasn't ready to throw myself into that wholeheartedly and I got to the point where I was ready to do it and I, I, I would throw my whole heart and soul into it, which is what I did as we went through the program. I was really open to it and it was just, you know, I was ready to make those changes. And even with, you know, the spirituality stuff, it was really interesting that, you know, I thought, I didn't think I was going crazy. I knew I wasn't going crazy, but the words that were coming out of my mouth, I was like, people are going to think I'm crazy. Like, um, <laughs> like I didn't share too much with my husband about it because he would have had me committed, but I talked to my mum about it and I had a small group of friends who I would talk to about it and they just wholeheartedly believed along with me as well. They weren't like, oh, that's nice, you know, yeah, maybe your baby will come. They were just very much like every time I would see my friends, I'd be like, have you had another spirit baby medium reading? Like what's what's the latest, you know, type thing. So it was really cool that I had people that were on this journey with me that also believe as much as I grew to believe, which obviously grew through the full throttle program. Do you want me to go into what happened next? Well, yeah. I mean, like it would be really interesting to kind of see like because you I think you make a really interesting point when you said you were ready. Yeah. How did you know you were ready? I think I was just, what would it be? I was I was ready because I knew that it was something else had to change. This wasn't just a physical thing. And I I knew enough that there was there was some kind of a energetic block going on or something like that. Something was just not quite working. I had to shift whatever was happening inside of me, not from a physical space, but from a from a mindset. I needed to shift my mindset. I was sick of just, you know, constantly being worried and, and you know, it, it becoming all-consuming because the journey does. It becomes all-consuming. Everything, every waking thought that you have becomes about that. And I was just tired of it and I just wanted to take back charge of my life, I would say. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah. So, like, walk us through. I mean, what happened next? So you did Full Throttle. That's a 90-day program. You know, tell us what happened next for you. Yeah, so so the universe, again, as you often say, is often working with us, right? And I think you've referenced a divine delay in the conception space, you know, the divine delay, right? And there was a divine delay in that, you know, in January after the last failed IVF, I needed to wait four months to see an interstate doctor who was going to be able to help me address some of this DQ alpha gene issue. And so across that time, I did full throttle and I focused on my mindset. My dream was to. Oh, here's the beagle that just took yeah, away. We'll, yeah, no, we'll, we love doggies. Hey, Matt. I used to say. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We're so glad he's alive. We're yeah. so glad he's alive. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, yeah, my dream was to conceive naturally. And so I started to take charge and I had a game plan and I wasn't, I wasn't leaving without my baby, you know? So instead of focusing on, every you know every treatment being a do or die it was like I know my baby's coming and this is my game plan that I'm going to do and if this one doesn't work then I just move on to the next one so I was living life to the full I was embracing my life I had my 40th birthday looming in April and I know I addressed this with you on a call as well 
And and I realized in hindsight that that number four four zero was like a looming deadline for me. It had been for the past five years. I'd always felt like as long as I'm still in my 30s, I'm okay. But once I hit 40, shit, it's over, right? And so we decided to go to Hawaii for my birthday. I was like, I don't want to have a party. I don't really, you know, just to celebrate this number, I actually just want to, I love traveling. Let's go to Hawaii and have great life experiences instead. So we went there. Just before we went to Hawaii, it was Easter. And we were sitting around the campfire and my brother-in-law said, I think I'm going to do the half marathon this year in July. And I was like, shit, yeah, I might join you. And I'm not a runner. I only, you know, run 5Ks and I hate every second of it. But we had 12 weeks to train. And I was like, no, I really feel like I want to do this, you know, give myself this challenge. And that's not, you know, I knew that as a woman who's trying to conceive, pushing your body to those kind of limits is probably not ideal. But for, for me, it felt right. And so over 12 weeks, I did this program, you know, this running program that I downloaded from an app. And my podcast that I would listen to, my running music or whatever, was Roseanne's podcast, was the Miracle, specifically the Miracle Mama interviews. So I ran over 350 kilometers of training, listening to these women talking about, you know, how they did it. And that was prompting me to go, I can't wait until this day arrives where I can share my story too. (laughs) But I was also really feeling quite connected to these Spiro babies, you know, when I'd be dragging myself through a kilometer I'd be like come on guys help me out here and I'd feel this little push (laughs) that would propel me a bit forward but and I was really feeling like it was quite a yeah it was something that I was kind of bonding with and through but the other thing that was really critical for me is that the belief in my body grew because every extra kilometer that I ran that I'd never run before I'm like okay like I'm now 40 and I'm running the furthest I've ever run in my life if I can do this course I can create a baby (laughs) you know like I'm not I'm not old I'm not over the hill I can do whatever I set my mind to so I think that was a really big pivotal part as well so it's like you had a head transplant Tanya (laughs) yeah (laughs) I did it was great and you know I grew to enjoy running actually which I never thought would ever happen to me so we went overseas three times in six months we went to Bali we went to Hawaii as I said and I went to New Zealand as well we went to New Zealand in May, hiked a glacier, one of the most insane, awesome things in the world to ever do. Like it was just, you know, these glaciers are, are rapidly receding and to be standing up there on top of this world, just like having choppered in onto the glacier, it was just the coolest thing ever. So I was living and I started following Amy Raup. Is that how I pronounce her name? Her egg quality diet. The other part of it was is that for eight years I'd been a vegetarian. I was I did it from a from an animal ethics point of view. I like I liked meat, but I just couldn't couldn't cope with it. But for some reason, and I didn't think I'd ever go back to eating meat. But when I started to follow her diet, I suddenly went. I think I'm okay to introduce a little bit of meat again. So I started to have a little bit of fish, maybe chicken once a week. Beef's a little bit of a step too far, and so is lamb and pork and all that still. But but I really only got to get into her diet probably I probably really only got to follow it properly for like a four-week period because I kept going on these holidays and I wasn't going to eat a very restrictive diet while I was on these holidays but by May I finally had this consult with the doctor interstate and he started the consult with you've got this DQ alpha gene these are your only options surrogate donor egg donor sperm donor embryo 
or you have to do this hectic immune protocol that I'm going to be on. And he started listing all of these things off. And I'm not a medicator. Taking the immune suppressants really didn't feel right to me because I'm like, for all intents and purposes, like I'm a healthy person. My immune system is working. And I was really quite concerned about what suppressing my immune system to that extent would do. So I just didn't quite feel good about it. But I wasn't ruling it out because I knew that I wasn't leaving without my baby. So I would do whatever I needed to do. But I didn't like his bedside manner. I knew he wasn't in my bump squad, but I took him for what I needed. And that was I needed something from him. I needed him to give me this referral to do something. And that's all I was going to use. But I was able to compartmentalize that rather than him be this grim reaper that sent me into a spin that, no, that's him. He's this old washed up codger. I'm just going to use him for what I need to. And like across this journey also were the signs and there's obviously a whole week of signs in full throttle, which I love. And the more that you become open to them, the more they just start coming everywhere. So for, you know, for a couple of years, these little birds, the swallows that zoom around everywhere, whenever I'd be, you know, thinking about fertility or thinking about children, they would just pop up out of nowhere. The other one was feathers, like black and white feathers in particular. And I remember I went for a run while we were doing the program and I was running along and I started to see all these feathers everywhere. And I got to about counting seven and I was like, all right, guys, let's round it up to a nice even eight. If, you know, if this is actually, you know, a proper sign, let's line it, uh, yeah, round it up. The next minute, the eighth one arrives. And then about two steps later, there's a baby's dummy on the ground. And I was like, well, that's cool. By the end of my run, I'd counted 15 black and white feathers. And I think I put it in our full throttle trap. I'm like, girls, this is this is pretty crazy. Like, there's a lot of deep feathered birds out here at the moment. <laughs> yeah, somebody's plucking, you know, some kind of a bird is getting abused or something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they were everywhere. But, you know, when when I was running along and seeing all these feathers, it popped into my head and gosh, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you when the last time I watched The Wizard of Oz was though, but it was like, it's kind of a bit like following the yellow brick road. Like you're following these breadcrumbs all, all the way along. And dragonflies was another one. Dragonflies, again, never any connection to dragonflies, but when you have these unique encounters with animals that just can't be put down to coincidence, it starts to just become, you know, a really obvious sign. And so they would always be just, I'd be out the back doing something and all of a sudden they'd just start zooming around everywhere. Even when I went to Bali, there was a dragonfly hovering over the pool for forever. And I remember that I was at like a little coastal town on holiday and I was walking along and I walked under some trees where there was some cockatoos above and one of them dropped a massive acorn on my, or pine cone, pine cone on my foot to the point that it bled. And then the next second, a dragonfly popped up and followed me as I was walking for the next couple of blocks. And then I went down to the beach and there were swarms of dragonflies everywhere. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. So they were just popping up everywhere. But I guess the mindset, my mindset had shifted into so many different areas. And so I had it written down, where were my notes on it? Because I didn't want to. So the first one, as we talked about, was gratitude, right? Like I recognized what I did have instead of what I didn't. You know, Mm -hmm. I live in a beautiful country. I've got a wonderful husband. I've got a wonderful family. I've got a good job. I've got resources like I'm not in a war zone like I'm like life is good I'm missing this little piece which is obviously really important to me but life is good and it's full of blessings the other one was I took control of my life I stopped messing around you know I was training to achieve the half marathon 
we were making plans to do a massive renovation on our house. We were looking for an investment property. We were making plans to do a side hustle for our business. There was just a whole lot of stuff that was going on. We were making travel plans. We were going to go and travel around Australia for like a year. We had, you know, I sat in an online line for two days to get Taylor Swift tickets into Australian concerts in February this year coming. We were making plans to go to Mexico for a friend's birthday, a friend's wedding in April next year. All of that kind of stuff. Like it was just, I was living and I was living with purpose as well. And I always loved this quote that I found when I was gallivanting around the world. When was it? 2010 and 11. And I was feeling like I was living my life. And it's life's journey is not to arrive at the grave safely in a well-preserved body, but rather to skid in sideways, totally worn out, shouting, holy shit, what a ride. And that's oh, my perfect. goodness. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's so good. And that one popped up and it's always stayed with me all of these years since. And, and that's what I felt like I was doing. I was really living my life. I fully surrendered and I trusted everything that would work out as it should. So I didn't just have hope. My hope that my baby would come turned into an actual belief. Like, and, and that was a big shift for me when I talked about how I was kidding myself about surrendering those few years earlier. Though I still had hope. I was like, yeah, I hope that they'll turn up. But it fully shifted into unequivocal belief that it was going to happen. I just needed to let it happen. I trusted my intuition. Like in my heart, I knew that this baby would come naturally. And also your teachings, Roseanne, transferred into every other part of my life and other people's lives. You know, I could see when my husband was coming from lack and scarcity and I would be like, you're coming from lack and scarcity. Come on now, mate. You know? <laughs> Did your husband have a tiny Roseanne thing on the door where he threw darts? Did he have yeah. a little target? Like, my no. wife is brainwashed into believing she can do whatever she wants. Yeah, she's joined a cult. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. No, he, you know, I could see that by my energy shifting and, and the excitement that was happening around me, his energy was shifting too. And there was just, you know, he was coming on this without even realizing it. He was changing as well. I love that you shared that, Tanya, because people need to hear that. Mm-hmm. You know, like people always, well, you know, when, and it's funny because sometimes women ask me, well, or, you know, what about my husband in these programs? And I'm like, no, it starts with you. Yeah. And and you have to start there because exactly as you're saying, there's this ripple effect in a sense, because when your energy changed, he's going to pick up on that and you're creating a new standard in your family. Yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, he's not going to sit there and, and do the daily, you know, tasks or whatever, but it was filtering off into him without him even realizing it, I would say. Wow. Yeah. And we were making stuff happen. Yeah. I also come to, came to understood understand that aging is a privilege. So me turning 40 was not a bad thing. Like how lucky am I to turn 40? A lot of people don't get to 40. And so, so yeah, so it was that. And then, you know, but what also stuck with me was our last coaching call, Roseanne, where we played the remember when game. When I think I said to you, <laughs> I think I said to you, you know, I feel like I'm just going to be the cheerleader on the side and all these other women in the, in the group are going to be getting pregnant and, and I'm going to be thrilled for them. And I always felt like that in my life with my other friends that would be on this journey as well as that they would be getting pregnant before me and I'd still be standing on the sidelines going, yes, that's awesome, but still being on the journey myself. And when we played the Remember When game, it was just so powerful that it had me on a high for so long after that to fully visualize what would happen when this actually did happen for me. 
Mm. So, mm. Mm. <laughs> and all the ladies, like, how good are the ladies on on full throttle? Like, oh. some had tears in their eyes, and that community people, like, is amazing. This is people don't get that, and I and I love that you're raising, you know, really dropping another <laughs> bomb of wisdom on us because this journey is so isolating, you know, just on its own, and the the way that you know, kind of the nature of it, that there is something magical about having real community. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the energy of the community. You know, I mean, people ask me about that all the time, or people want to do private coaching. And I'm like, no, trust me on this. Mm-hmm. Like, having this community is everything. It's like, you know, it's like learning a brand new language. Right. Like it's one thing that you do these apps and stuff, but it's another to be dropped right in the center of Rome as you're trying to learn Italian. Right. Like it's a completely different experience. So, yeah, I mean, I they are wonderful. They are absolutely wonderful. So tell us what happened next. So another divine delay came in in the fact that that, you know, so it was May, May 2023, and I was training for the half marathon already. And and so I had this, you know, my plan was to do another cycle and to do it with these immune su- immune suppressants, even though I wasn't very keen on it. But I'm like, well, I don't want to do it before. I don't want to do it kind of, you know, while I'm going to be pushing my body to the limit. So in my head, I'd kind of put aside like August or September, I'll do the next one. So around this time in May, my energy, like the energy was so high. Like I said, there was so much going on in my life, along with all of the property and renovation stuff. I also had four different jobs come up for me within my same company, right? But there was a bit of like a restructure going on and my job was kind of changing a little bit in terms of that. It was effectively just, you know, a different reporting line and a a new title, but doing the same thing, but for more money. But then there was also a couple of other jobs, like these other just opportunities kept coming up. And that was really proof to me that when you're living abundantly, abundance flows. So, so we, so let's get to May 30. And I suddenly felt the desire to start journaling because so much was going on. And I'm not a journaler. I learned that throughout full throttle, writing things down was actually really powerful. You can sit and you can think about things, um, but actually writing it down really translates into being so much stronger. And I just felt this really strong urge to journal. And like I said, I haven't done it probably since I was 10. And back then, my biggest you know, issues in the world then was what boy I had a crush on. So May 30 was about one and a half weeks before I was due to ovulate. And I was writing in my journal and I was reading it last night. It's so cool that I'm like, I've had for the second time in a week, I've had this dream about a little boy coming in. Um, And then we get to June 19. And in my journal, I'm writing again. So it's about a week after ovulation by that point this boy he's keeping like he's downloading so much information to me in my dreams like he's just visiting me constantly and my actual quote from my journal was the energy seems to be in overdrive right now I feel very excitable I wouldn't be surprised if I conceived this month it feels like there's something magic in the works and I've never ever 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 written or thought anything like that like yeah every month would just be like you know oh hopefully I never felt like that so that was crazy to me. We get to the last week of June and my period was due. It didn't come. I went to a friend's party. All of our dogs were there. The dogs were really clingy with me, really affectionate. 
And it was just another thing that I was just like, oh, just another kind of, you know, just something I just noticed, you know, because dogs are pretty perceptive at things. But my period didn't show up that whole week and I was due to run the half marathon on the Saturday. My mum and my friend who knew I was late, you know, said, are you going to do a test? And I was like, no, if this child's shown up after five years of all of this, when I'm doing my most hectic training, like it can handle a half marathon. But also like, if I know that I'm pregnant, I don't know if I would run it or I would be worried the whole time. So I just didn't want to. So I ran the half marathon. I did it in so much faster than what I ever possibly could. And then the following week, my period still didn't show. And for some reason, I just didn't want to test. Like I, I was enjoying the what if. I was enjoying the, you know, I didn't want a negative test to ruin it. I just didn't feel the need to really confirm it for whatever reason. And again, I journaled in my journal in that second week that I woke up to hear this really clear voice saying, it's time to do a pregnancy test. (laughs) I I know I was reading my journal last night and I was like, shit, this is crazy. (laughs) And so I finally did on a Saturday. I'd spent the whole day pulling up pavers around around our pool because we were starting the renovation. So I was two weeks late by then. And at the end of the day, I was like, I really want a wine. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm two weeks late. I've got to do a test before I have a wine. And sure enough, it came up immediately positive. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, Tanya, like, I mean, like, I, I know what happened, but my heart was beating, like, just the way you were sharing that. I'm like, <laughs> all of this, like, you went from, like, skeptic, allegedly shallow to, like, writing these things and being in this and knowing you did. I mean, because you said your dream was to conceive this baby naturally. Yeah. And I knew that I was going to, but I didn't believe it at the same time. Well, you know, what's even crazy. I mean, well, I, I won't overstate it because I think you knowing that this baby was coming and talking about the energy. I mean, that's like magical, but you realize that technically you were more fertile in at 40 than you were in your 30s. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I was in the right headspace. Isn't that <laughs> just wild? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you were doing you were I mean, this is such a powerful lesson. I hope the ladies listening back this one up and listen to it all over again because you said you were living your life. You were hiking glaciers, you were training for a marathon. You know, you don't like running and then somehow you you love it. You know, you were traveling all over the place, doing renovations. And even more insane, you got to the point where you're, you miss your period, but you're just kind of chilling. Yeah. Enjoying the what if. What woman on this journey enjoys what ifs? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's fascinating, this transformation. And this is after five years. Yeah, five years. And that was that was the transformation in those last few months. I was living my life to the full and the baby didn't become the fixation. The baby just became a, it'll happen when it's meant to and it'll be a wonderful blessing on top of an already wonderful life. You know, I mean, and this is another example because like, and I think it's important to illustrate this because you basically compress time and space in a way, because here's this chunk of time in all this suffering. And then you make this decision that you're going to be different. You take the leaps, you start changing your mindset. And so between January, 2023, Mm -hmm. and I guess your ovulation, you said June 19th. Yeah. That's like 
six-ish months. Yeah, I mean, I'd only finished full throttle at the end of March and I conceived, what, five weeks after that Grim Reaper doctor told me that my only options were donors and all of that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. how many weeks yeah. after? Maybe six weeks after my 40th birthday. That's <laughs> freaking crazy. And it's even crazier that you had this mental block about I need to make this happen before I'm 40 because then I'll be over the hill. I mean, your experience here really demonstrates that, you know, so many of the things that we're told, like it's it's only part of the picture. I mean, because can you imagine if you had like this divine delay? I mean, I love that you're raising that too, because it's such a powerful thing. Instead of delays being detrimental, they're actually fucking divine, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're willing to see that. And then your baby, like visiting you and doing all this stuff in your mind, and you can feel it. I mean, dude, <laughs> this is incredible. I mean, so what about your husband? Was he surprised? Like, what? I mean, what was going on? Yeah, yeah, he's very much a planner. And so when I called him up to the ensuite and I was like, ah, look at this, you could just see that he was just like, holy. <laughs> you could see his mind just rolling around, and, and he took a little minute to process because for him, he was like, if it hasn't happened yet, it's probably never going to happen. And the, I guess the benefit for me was that he, you know, he was open to bringing a child into this world, but he was never like desperate, 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 which was good for me in the fact that I didn't carry that extra pressure that I was letting, I was letting him down as mm. well. But yeah, he's excited now. Wow. And so, you know, it's a funny thing to be like in this place now. Mm-hmm. After all of that, after you basically compressing time and space and like, it's like all of those years before were leading you up to this place. So how many weeks pregnant are you now? 29. 29? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh, it's just incredible to see you like this, Tanya. So, So if you think back to the woman you were, all those years ago when, you know, things started to get dark for you, when you mm-hmm. started to freak out, I mean, as a woman who's demonstrated here that here's these four and a half years, basically, and then here's this half where you made the seemingly impossible possible in such an incredible amount of time by making some of these changes, what would you want that version of you to know? I think it's, it really just comes down to, for me, that we're not like I said earlier, we're not here to sleepwalk through life. We're here to grow and evolve and live life to the fullest and make the most of our time on this earth. So go and do that and appreciate everything that you have, not the couple of things that you don't have. And, you know, like we have control of how we think and feel every day. And, you know, I've, I've got a friend who was not from a fertility sense, but she was feeling like she was struggling a lot. And I, I was just like, you have the power to turn around your thinking. So, you know, things aren't happening to you. They're happening for you and you have the power. (laughs) I know I'm quoting you. And you have the power to determine the trajectory of your life. And the bigger you live your life, the better things come for you as well. Like Mm -hmm. you just open, open the gates, the floodgates open. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, Tanya, it's such a thrill to see you in this place. I mean, think about what, and and you don't have to tell us if you're not announcing it, but like, if you're having a boy, I mean, just think about, you know, what you're going to be able to teach this baby 
Mm-hmm. Right. Like think about like you're going to be able to teach from a place of having lived it. Like it's not theoretical for you. You're living proof. And and think about how this has the possibility and, and frankly, the certainty because you are different. You're necessarily going to teach your, your kids different. But think about how this impacts your family tree. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, I just think it's so cool that I've got the recordings and I've got the journaling to show this child that we were connecting before they even, you know, conceived. <laughs> I, I think that's extraordinary. Yeah, it was. It's so cool. So the other thing that the universe threw for a loop is, and the spirit baby medium had explained this to me before that, you know, in the months before conception, often the spirit baby that's incarnating will go quiet. And so I was obviously dreaming about this boy a lot around the time of conception. And I was certain it was a boy. And we did our gender reveal four weeks ago. And I was, again, reading my journal last night. Three weeks before the gender reveal, I journaled that. I dreamt that we had the gender reveal and I discovered it was a girl. And I also wrote in there that that the the energy of, of people's predictions, you know how everyone's like, oh, I think it's yeah. a whatever. At the start of my pregnancy, a lot of people were saying overwhelmingly it was a boy and that massively shifted to people predicting it was going to be a girl. And so at our gender reveal, when we let off the smoke cannons, out came pink. Oh! <laughs> so it was a girl. I mean, like, because that was the first baby that spoke to you was a little yeah, girl, the girl, right? the girl that was always, that was consistently the most present in my meditations, was the most present for the psychics and everything. It, it's a girl. Oh my gosh. Like I just, oh wow. I mean, whoo, I'm going to have a whiskey after this. Just kidding. Like, you know, I'm like, it's, you know, I love that you're sharing this and how kind and how generous you are to share your experience with us because I think so many women feel this, but we've been conditioned to blow that off as nonsense. And I think our intuition and our connection to our children gets laughed off. And and I think what you're doing here is really showing us how strong that connection can be. And and the more you lean into it, exactly as you said, Mm -hmm. the more you're going to see it, the more that you're going to feel it. And you can take comfort in connecting to that, even when the present physical circumstances don't indicate that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like I said, some of the things that I knew were coming out of my mouth, I'd probably want to commit myself to, but you have to trust that there is, you know, I was, you did a podcast the other week, which, what was your, it was kind of like you needed the proof. What was the the title of it? Oh, the, uh, the, what was it? The price of the prove it mentality. Yeah. Yeah. The prove it mentality. And for the longest time, that was also my my thing. You know, I'd be talking to my mum about it. My mum's been super engaged in this whole journey and been a wonderful support. And she was always of the belief that this girl was coming too. But, you know, I used to say to her, you know, if this actually transpires as to how it's happened, then, whoa, I'll believe, I'll believe it. But, you know, now it is. Because the other thing that Peter has said is he says it's throughout your pregnancy. I just see the doctors going, everything's good. Everything's like going along as exactly as it has, as it's meant to. Everything's perfect. And that's exactly what's happened so far. We haven't had any issues apart from her sucking the life out of me to the point that I had basically no iron left in my body, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they said she was going to be a firecracker. Yeah, exactly. And he's also So she's letting you know. 
yeah, he's predicted that she'll turn up probably it's slightly early and maybe in a firehouse or something like that. So I guess I've better prepare myself for that given that everything else has happened. But the interesting wow. thing also is that remember he predicted February 2020 or he said, you know, I can see you in February with a bump. She's due in February. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. I mean, you know, I love had it. a year wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but see, isn't that cool, though? Mm-hmm. Like, even look at the change in you and the way that you are processing this because you know it's funny I hear people say all the time oh well you know I thought it was going to be this month and I was wrong and people say this people say that but it's like dude stay in the game Mm -hmm. who cares change the date right you probably heard me say that before is like just change the date there's nothing wrong with being wrong maybe you're wrong about this month but what if it's the next one and yeah And it's funny to me that you were training for a marathon because in some ways this journey was a marathon in and of itself. Mm, Yeah. Wow. And like, and I love that you were doing things, Tanya, that felt good to you, that you weren't allowing fear to, you know, interrupt you from your training or doing things that really mattered to you. You know, I mean, that's such a testament to was changing within you and really the power of mindset. So. I always like to ask this question because, I mean, you've been dropping bombs left and right, and we love them. We appreciate them. But if you were going to speak directly to the women listening, really about like if you're going to speak to them, if you had like a few seconds of their undivided attention, what would you want them to know? I think it's that point of that you have to trust yourself. You need to go within and really know in your heart what is right for you. You know, there's plenty of us that get pushed into IVF because there's been a little bit of a journey and a little bit of a delay in conception. You need to trust yourself. You need to connect with and and understand that your children are are prompting you on this journey. I I fully believe that these children have prompted me to to take this path. And so, yeah, just trust yourself and and go inward and truly believe what you know to be true. Mm. That's so good. That's so good, Tanya. Well, hey, thank you so much for your kindness and generosity in sharing this with all of us. I know that this is going to touch so many lives and really encourage women to tap into their intuition, be a little weird and believe, you know, be willing to see dragonflies and rainbows and things like that. I mean, there's nothing weird or weak or freaky about any of that. I mean, I think we are we're naturally energetic creatures and that, you know, this is all around us. And when you started seeing the signs, Tanya, they were there. Exactly. So, wow. So well done woman. And thank you so much again. We're so happy for you. So excited for you. And I can't wait to see the baby pictures. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you for everything that you guided me to do. Honestly, it was a game changer, not just for this journey, but for life. Mm, It's (laughs) such my pleasure. I mean, I love working with women like you because you make my work easy because you were ready. You were, your attitude was open. Your heart was open and it's a pleasure. OMG loves, didn't you just want to hug Tanya? I mean, every single one of these women, it's like, oh, you just love them. And isn't it just amazing? I mean, Tanya went through so many different stages on her journey from doubting and all these IVF failures, psychic, spirit babies, trying all these diets and all this stuff. And when she started living again and learned how to think in a completely different way, boom, boom, 
And I just love it. Like, look, we've never got any judgment about how you want to have your baby, but I just love it. When women follow their intuition, they're like, man, there's just something I know. I just feel this baby coming on naturally. Like, I think it's such a powerful thing for a woman who has that intuition, like to actually see that through, to have her baby naturally when she's been told that there's no possible way. Like, we are so open to all the blessings and how babies come in. But this one is just truly special. I think it's such a an interesting thing when we have the opportunity to see how right we are. And it's really about trusting ourselves. So I'm just so delighted that Tanya chose to share this with all of you. And I hope that you took really good notes. You were paying close attention so you can learn from this amazing woman's experience. And look, if you want to learn what I taught Tanya and you are actually serious about getting and staying pregnant in the next 12 months, my Fearlessly Fertile Method program is for women intending to get pregnant in the next 12 months and say hell yes to covering their bases, mind and body. Look, the mind and the body work together. This is not woo-woo, it's fucking science. And if you are not leveraging the power of your mindset, you've got a gaping hole in your strategy, mama. Let's fix that shit and set you up for success. Go to my website, www.frommaybe2baby.com and apply for an interview there. My methodology has helped women around the world make their mom dreams come true. We got the receipts, baby, and you heard it here. It all starts with your mindset. Till next time, change your mindset, change your results. Love this episode of the Fearlessly Fertile podcast? Subscribe now and leave an awesome review. Remember, the desire in your heart to be a mom is there because it was meant for you. When it comes to your dreams, keep saying hell yes.